This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. This program is intended for mature audiences only. Welcome to Sex, Tantra, and Kama Sutra, bringing you the soul of sex. I'm your host, Francesca Gentile, and with me today is Chandra Alexander. She is the founder and executive director of Sharanya, the Ma Bhaktakali Cultural Mission. She's also an adjunct research faculty at the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology and a VP of Development at the Bay Area Council, where she focuses on fund development for the organization, policy initiatives, research, and key programs. She's also married and is a mother of a delicious four-month-old girl. Welcome. Welcome, Chandra. Thank you, Francesca. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's a pleasure to have you here, and I've been, I've been tracking you, girl, for, for uh, several years now. Because of your this, when I first heard of you, it was about it was first there was Kali, but then there was the empowerment of women and their and their sensuality and their beauty, and and then there was more about Kali. But you know, in the West, we don't really understand much about Kali. That sense of the the multiplicity of her nature and the energy, the energy that that is and can be in our life. And there was something about the way that you combine it with the East and the West that I found extremely unique. And I'm really wanting you to share that with us because this, this to our listening audience, we're not saying you have to change your religion or you know, leave whatever you're doing. However, we want to invite in an awareness and intelligence um, of spirit as it flows throughout the world. And what is, what is this energy, this archetypal energy that you're working with and why is it important to those of us in the West? That's a wonderful question. So thank you for bringing in our Divine Mother. I wanted to say that, so for me, you know, the, the word archetype, I'll just start here, has a bit of a, a challenge around it because it brings us into a Western psychological framework that really doesn't get at the heart of the beauty of a devotional heart open, ego surrendered position in relationship to that energy of which you spoke. So while I understand it and I think it can help give us a conceptual frame, the Kali that I know and love and uh, the tradition into which I'm initiated in India is one where we believe in our bodies and every cell of our beingness. The fundamental principle of Shakti, of the divine feminine force. And we see Kali as in the realm of time and space, a personification of that energy. And so we have symbol and form, the wonderful image of the black goddess with her tongue stuck out and a garland of skulls around her neck and four arms waving a machete and a severed head and granting boons and blessings. This is an image of an all-encompassing divine that is so unlike anything the developed world has seen, particularly when you're speaking of East and West, the Western developed countries, Europe, America, Australia, and so on where the primary frames are in the Abrahamic traditions and Judeo-Christian much more specifically. And we're not used to she as divine. We're not used to black as divine. And we're certainly not accustomed to this idea of 
a mother figure or a feminine energy, powerful, independent uh, female force that is both a compassionate, embracing, loving uh, figure, mother. Uh, we can come to her as child. We can feel embraced by her. At the same time that she is one who is terrifying, is one who embraces the death aspect of life, who embraces the chthonic, the underworld, the juiciness, the sexuality, the embodied stuff that is so taboo in so many of the cultures and the religions around the world, blood and menstruation and all of the forces of life, truly. Uh, so this is my Divine Mother. And when I say that, uh, I don't mean any limiting notion of the female. I mean the expansive creatrix, birther of the universe and galaxies, that at the same time is very, very deeply personal and specific to every individual, I think, alive on the planet today. Uh, so she is a role model and an instigator, a change agent, and somebody we can absolutely love and adore. You know... That's a lot. That's a lot. You know, I really want to breathe that in, you know, relaxing the jaw and the belly for our listeners, because what you're saying, Chandra, is, is really is revolutionary. It's very evolutionary, revolutionary for our world today, because the, you know, 30,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, in some places, you know, 5,000 years ago, in some places, maybe even in the present, there are pockets where this multiplicity, this richness, this depth, this dark and light, this creation and destruction, this, you know, the allness of the feminine is connected to and understood. But for many of us, as you said, it's been hecka missing, really mm -hmm. missing, big absent for most of our lives. And, and when that's missing... Um, you know, I want to hold this gently because for some of our listening audience, this may be shocking. You know, some of these words, how can life and death go together? How can, you know, sexuality and uh, blood go together? How can uh, spirituality, you know, go to spirituality and sexuality go together? That for some people, you know, their heart, some of us, our heart may be beating a little faster. And we're like, oh, you know, what, are, what are we saying? And, it's good. Um, and, <laughs> It's good. This is excitement. This is aliveness. And I invite us to breathe it into our bellies and breathe it into our genitals that that the divine is found in paradox. That if it's if we're in one or the other, you know, the divine can only be a tree but it can't be a flower. The divine can only be uh, an egg but it can't be the bones. You know, if we're if we're if we're separating things out, that's not the divine. So there's there's something really, as you said, Chandra, juicy about what we're coming into here. Now, for yourself, you were raised where? I was raised in Queens in New York City. So, you know, help us out here. How did a nice, you know, girl from Queens end up being the, the daughter, the intimate daughter of the divine, you know, everything, nothing? Uh, you know, and, uh -huh. and, and you live this. You live this. I mean, I have to tell you all, she, she really lives this and embodies this in the richest and most delightful way. So what is this journey like and what, what might it do to us along the way? And what's, what's the possible result of having this kind of relationship of complexity with deity? 
Uh, well, I'll answer your first question about how did I get there, and I think that'll take us perhaps on a journey that answers your second, uh, because it it is, uh, you know, your, your, your giggling is just wonderful because it is that kind of a journey at the same time that it, it sits very, very much in the paradox of which you spoke. One cannot... Uh, find this beauty of the divine, as you mentioned, without the suffering and the challenges. And, uh, you know, it's through those that we're really released through the paradox into an expanded sense of what it means to be alive. And we really, truly touch our souls again. Uh, so thank you for saying that I live it. Uh, that's certainly my, my goal, my quest, my endeavor. Uh, and I started off absolutely disconnected from everything that we're speaking about. I, I spent years and years fighting anorexia nervosa. I spent years through that disease uh, fighting uh, my internalized patriarchal oppression, uh, the ways in which I, growing up as a girl in the world, and, and this is sort of a common, you know, still to this day, um, uh, common situation for so many of us, no matter really what bodies we're in. But for me as a, as a growing girl, you know, the, the cultural messages, the messages around me were ones where I wasn't valued for who I was or what I had to contribute. Uh, it was really difficult to both be, uh, you know, for example, smart and in a body that was athletic and powerful and all of these kinds of things because it inspired fear. And the cultural messages said to me, no, you know, I spent years and years and years really wanting to be a boy. It was, <laughs> it was quite something, you know, people see me now and, and work with me now in community. And of course, it's, it's really the antithesis of, uh, of where I am uh, in a personal physical sense. I'm very much a woman. I'm very much a mother. Uh, so the journey is one where, for me personally, I got pushed through that disease. And I'll just highlight, uh, I think, the path of coming to the divine through uh, embodied initiation that is forced by the cultural uh, surroundings uh, in some cases. You know, it's, it's through a kind of crisis like this. Um, but I was pushed to a point where the question really was, Francesca, will I live or will I die? You know, quite literally. And in that moment of knowing that I was really in charge and I needed to take personal responsibility, something inside of me cried out, this yearning cried out to live. And that's what I hung on to. And it was from that place that my spirituality unfolded, my connections to dreams and the unseen world unfolded, my connection eventually that led me to India in 1998 unfolded. And it was there that I sat before an image of uh, a sister, uh, uh, another representation of Kali, the Divine Mother, called Shamunda, who's depicted in iconography as a skeletal form. And here I am coming from this history of an eating disorder into relationship with a skeletal figure of the divine now. That blew me away. I have to tell you, I sat in front of that image for hours. You know, the, the, the garden, the museum where I was sort of had to tap me lightly on the shoulder and say, Madam, we're closing. You know, you have to, you have to leave because it it shocked me into another reality. And from that place, everything else exploded and unfolded. Um, so for folks who are, you know, 
experiencing some of what we're talking about and maybe uh, feeling, you know, a tingling inside and something starting to move, uh, it's a it's a wonderful sensation to stay with and be with and look for the challenges in life that can catapult you into a kind of quest for freedom that ultimately I think is liberating. And that's that's certainly what my story is about. And I really want to thank you for listening, going into that dark night of the soul very deeply. And whether it's Eckhart Tolle, whether it's, uh, you know, my own story, your own story, if you are listening audience, really interview people that you feel have something profound to give you, you will find that they've been, they've been to the edges of death and depression and despair, and that there's something uh, powerful that our culture tells us to avoid, you know, drink more, eat more, buy more, have more sex, you know, really avoid some of these dark places where the deepest truths and transformation arise. And I want to talk more about what that journey looks like, how this, uh, you know, practices that, that you practice that can support us. When we come back from a break and a word from our fabulous sponsors, who we invite you to support so great shows like this can come to you. And we'll be right back. Imagine if you could become a way better lover in her eyes. Women, do you want deeper intimacy and orgasms far more intense, prolonged, and vivid than anything you've ever experienced? Expand Her Orgasm Tonight is an instantly downloadable, easy-to-learn 21-day training system for partners. Let Dr. Patty teach you the art of expanded orgasm. The genital massage techniques coupled with mind and heart opening practices will give you both full body, full being, orgasmic experiences. Then wait and see what happens. Curious? Want to expand her orgasm tonight? Oh yeah. And it's totally free to find out more. Get the three free pleasure guides plus the free orgasmic techniques mini course and when you're ready. Get $100 off the original cost with promo code SAVE at expandherorgasmtonight.com. Welcome back to Sex, Tantra, and Kama Sutra, bringing you the soul of sex. We're talking to Chandra, who is an amazing woman who has her uh, the center uh, for Sharanya, the Ma Bhakti Kali uh, cultural mission. And we're talking about this journey into the depths and back out again and your own uh, kind of life, death, nexus moment, deconstruction, reconstruction, listening to spirit. And we're imagining that some people out there are having, they're up against the wall in their own way, whether it's around their job, their relationship, their, uh, you know, depression, something may be calling you, our listening audience, into some uh, awareness or dark night, How, what would you recommend for us if we're, if we're starting to feel that or we even feel like we're deeply in it? What are some practices? Well, I'd start by asking people to really listen to the inner small voice, the part of themselves that's closest to soul, that's closest to essence, that's closest to spirit, whatever word resonates with you. Because it's from that place that we have, getting back to the paradox we mentioned earlier, both the tremendous vulnerability uh, of, our, uh, of our truth and beauty in the world, and with that, we have simultaneously 
the tremendous power and all possibilities for the revelation of our selves in the world. And so listening inside to who we really are, not the persona, not the ego, not the one driven by the material or anything else to which we might be attached in our day-to-day existence. And the more that we can breathe into and listen to that small voice in the tantras, it's called our intuition. This is the highest form of knowledge, uh, the highest and greatest wisdom, because it's a marrying of our head and it's a Uh, bringing that into a space through discernment into alignment with our heart. And if we're able to do that and bring that forward, we can have great success in everything that we do. So in terms of specific practices, we have to cultivate awareness of that small inner voice, the alignment with our soul and all possibilities. And there's a time that's required for that strengthening, just like anything else in the world. If we want to have something good at the end of the road, we have to put in time, energy, and commitment. So I think in spirituality and in coming to a greater, more truthful, resplendent life that everybody really wants, everybody wants to be happy, and yet that happiness is so seemingly elusive at times. But if that's something we truly want, then setting aside, even if it's five minutes a day, to sit and breathe and listen inside and just focus on our breath and focus on our beauty and feel gratitude, those are some of the words that I would use to help people find a space that can bring them into greater and greater harmony and trust of not only themselves, but those in the world with whom they want to have relationship. And that, I think, is a very, very powerful beginning place. Commitment, the simplicity of even five minutes a day of sitting and reflecting and listening and breathing, and then the ability over time to be willing to take that out into the world and engage your spirituality, whatever it might be. So just, it, it sounds so simple, but, and like you said, we need to dedicate some time to it. And do you find that that could, that could be done if people are, you know, have a martial art that they practice that, that could be their five minutes of meditation or it could be running or it could be dancing or does it have to be, you know, sitting in front of a candle, uh, oh, so, staring yeah. into a flame? That's a great question, Francesca, and thank you for for asking because as you suggest, it really can be where your heart is right now. If you have uh, something you do, if it's gardening, if it's walking your dog, if it's sitting and reading a story to your child, whatever it might be, the key though, I think, is setting the sankalpa. It's a Sanskrit word that means discipline or a sacred intention is how I like to frame it so that we set a sacred intention for whatever we're doing every day consistently, that it is for the higher, deeper purpose of bringing our own truth and beauty, our own soul light out into the world and allowing us to do that in a way that decreases our attachment to outcomes and expectations, um, things that really don't serve us in our lives. And we may, each one of us, know that, oh, you know, I don't really need to have coffee any day, you know, to talk about something about related to the physical level, or I really don't need to go out and buy another pair of shoes, or I really don't think that my relationship with a coworker needs to be this difficult. I really want to make an effort to make it better and and more harmonious, whatever it might be in your life. Uh, And so dedicating through a sankalpa, a sacred intention, 
those five minutes or ten minutes simple, uh, but directly to this opening and this liberation uh, of the self, I think is what's most important. So yes, it doesn't matter what it is so much as the intention with which it's done and the commitment with which it's done. Ah, feels good hearing you say that, the allowing there's so many ways to do it. There's no one true right known the way. Uh, and there's something that I wanted to talk more about, perhaps after the break. I want to have this be a short segment so we have longer to like go into the last chewy bit. <laughs> it's okay. The, something about emotions, because when I think of Kali, I, th- I, I think of moving through and wish with emotions, not denying our emotional nature, but somehow harvesting it in a way that becomes very... Uh, alchemical. Mm-hmm. And am I am I on the right track here? <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. And, and let me tell you where I think I think there's some confusion because emotions can really come out of a couple of different places in the body. Uh, emotions and our attachments to people or things through emotions like desire or greed or envy or what have you. A lot of that comes out of the lower chakras in the body, sort of the the survival instincts and the flight fight responses and all of those kinds of stuff. Uh, that, you know, really when we bring consciousness into it, maybe served at a certain point in our life, but as we continue to grow and evolve, don't serve as much. So the running of the emotional energy, of course, is necessary. I think, though, that people can think about consciously moving that into and out of a heart-centered space rather than out of the, um, you know, more primal kind of uh, centers in the body. And so the, the greater degree to which we're able to move and run emotions, whatever they might be through the heart, I think we find that we're able to be in relationship much better. For example, you know, letting somebody know, hey, look, I am really angry right now, or I am really feeling this particular way is a lot different than just acting it out. So taking responsibility for our emotions and letting them be free, letting them be fluid, letting them be wild, but taking responsibility for them is something that we're not so used to doing in this culture. And I think that that's an area for growth and development uh, that really serves to get us uh, beyond the limitations and into a, a much greater wealth of possibilities. Hmm. I want to I want to delve into that deeper, that very chewy uh, place, uh, juicy, chewy, uh, alchemical, or words that come up. Place of how we work with our emotions, how we work with discernment in relationships. Uh, that sense of do I move forward in this relationship? Do I uh, take space or uh, withdraw in some way, redesign in some way? And, uh, and, and just, you know, applying this, since this is the, the uh, Sex, Tantra, and Kama Sutra show, how we, how we apply this into our relationship body, especially with our loved ones, when we come back from a break and a word from our sponsor. And we'll be right back. The spark of desire the inner warmth of intimacy. This is Francesca. Do you long for an incandescent and eternally empowering relationship? My beloved and I have been training and teaching in the arts of love and intimacy for over 20 years. In our personalized coaching for individuals, groups, couples, in person or by phone, you will learn simple ways to ignite heart-opening passion, how to communicate effectively even under stress or trauma, key ways to breathe that increase stamina and pleasure, and how to heal past wounds and sexual dysfunctions. 
In our coaching, we compassionately and safely incorporate modern clinical sexology and ancient sacred sexuality teachings. To receive a free coaching consultation, call me at 510-759-3839 or email relationshipdiva at gmail.com. That's 510-759-3839 or relationshipdiva at gmail.com. Ignite a love life you love. Welcome back to Sex, Tantra, and Kama Sutra with the amazing Chandra. I want to get right back in here with that relationship. Here we have these emotions that we're bringing them into the heart. How do we discern? And there's you're in a beautiful relationship now, but that wasn't always the case. So could you give us a, a, a sense of how you've worked with this in your own life and how you hold this in your spiritual context? Yes. You know, it goes back to the journeying, right, with this. It's, a, it's an evolutionary process. Uh, it, it really was necessary for me. And I think it doesn't always have to be something, you know, of a crisis for people. I think there are much more subtle ways to, to come into right relationship. Uh, but for me, it really was a crisis that, uh, of, a, of a very, very challenging relationship that brought me into a place where I was finally able to reveal my heart. And I was finally able to surrender into my heart space and my emotions and really much more of the fullness of who I am. And, and in that incredibly vulnerable place, I found just a wellspring of strength and uh, vitality that I really had been afraid of. If I get really honest, I had been so afraid of, well, what would it mean if I really brought myself out fully in the world? And I had protected, even after a lot of psycho-spiritual work, I had still protected these last vestiges of myself that I thought, oh, if I reveal that, they won't love me anymore, you know, or whatever it was. Um, and I think that can be so true for so many people. We, uh, we're afraid, you know, we're afraid to be seen for who we really are. And when I finally got to that place, I began to realize what was important. And I began to realize that in a relationship, what's the most important, I think, is for somebody to be able to show up authentically and in their integrity. You know, these, I think, are qualities that we find so little in the role models of today. And I don't think they're qualities that we can teach so easily, but I think we can see them outside of ourselves in role models and and recognize, oh, that is beautiful, the way that person shows up and how they are uh, in relationship with their wife or partner or beloved. And so I started to realize that's what I wanted. I wanted to have that, and I found uh, I found that in the the man that I married uh, just last year, and it's a wonderful, wonderful relationship, and I couldn't be happier. But I know that the only reason that I have the happiness is because I let go of so many other entrapments, both in my well, really in myself, uh, and not only the one of which I just spoke. You know, finding that place of vulnerability within myself that could get really honest about how I was showing up, uh, but also in what I was looking for. You know, and it wasn't about looking for somebody who had the uh, you know the material stuff or you know could introduce me to the right people or whatever those other things were. No, it was somebody who was truly 
honest and truly present and could really be in relationship, therefore. That doesn't mean that we don't have issues to work on. Of course we do. Everyone does. But it meant that we were both coming in from a place of willingness and willingness to be in relationship, moreover, right relationship. And I think that if you have that and that kind of commitment, uh, again, it gets back to, you know, both in our personal practice and in how we show up in the world, I think really anything is possible. So a sense of two people willing to own themselves, their own inner work, be committed to relationship. And, and something arises from that when, it's, when you're not just responsible for all my life being great or you're not responsible for all the problems that I have in my life, that there's, that there's something I'm ongoingly cooking inside mm-hmm. myself is, is what I hear you saying. And coming back to uh, Kali Ma and your tantric practice, how, how has that supported this and or how would, we, how would you encourage us in this path to connect with, uh, with her energies, with, this, with these energies in support of, our, of, of standing in the fire of our own of our own stuff and burning it for you. You know, that, that the, the skulls, the, the machete uh-huh. is that sense of releasing the ego, having the courage to really, to really face our own crap and say, yep. wow, that stinks. So That's right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to echo your point. Most of us in relationship are selfish. And most of us, myself included, for years and years and years, you know, not only was I selfish, but when I was, was standing in my own crap, as you put it, you know, and even doing my work, I was spewing it all over the relationship. I wasn't taking responsibility for myself or for what I was putting in. And I think, again, getting really honest with ourselves uh, is necessary. And getting back to your question about, well, how does the, the tantric practice help? I have to say that without it, I don't believe we are, without any kind of spiritual practice, not just tantric, I think tantric is a very important uh, metaphysical realization that truly through the practices and spiritual technologies can help foster this in in a very, very dynamic and direct way. Uh, But being able to have a spiritual practice means that we strengthen ourselves enough to be able to come again and again into relationship open and surrendered. Now, those are perhaps simple words, but as you said earlier, you know, with a five-minute-a-day practice, it sounds simple, but it can be really hard to enact. It can be really hard to bring discernment uh, of head and heart into relationship and just stand metaphorically naked before the other, before the beloved, and say, here I am. Uh, so we need a spiritual grounding. We need a spiritual center, uh, a place inside of ourselves that is really a wellspring of connection to the divine. And for me and uh, many other practitioners, it is that sense of the embracing beauty of the divine mother beyond, beyond space and time and beyond the seeming paradox of good and bad, right and wrong. Um, I, I laugh with my partner because at a critical juncture very early on in our relationship, I looked at him and I said, do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? And I think that is really a key or can be a key for people. We have to get beyond those dichotomies and those trainings of culture and religion and society that tell us there's just one way and it's black and white. 
And spiritual practice is a way to facilitate clarity of perception to help us move beyond the good and bad, black and white, and so on and so forth. And relationship isn't about that. You know, if you're committed to being right, guess what? You're not going to have a healthy relationship, (laughs) you know? And it also is about, yes, having the discernment to have good and appropriate boundaries that come out of a uh, way of knowing, you know, what's true for yourself, what works for you. Uh, so it's it's about breaking those limitations, I think, and spiritual practice is certainly a way to do that. The embrace of the Divine Mother as a guide in this, I think, is invaluable. I think that there is a kind of compassion, embodiedness, uh, relationship to the dark, difficult places, a sense of time being cyclical and not just linear. We're going from point A to point B, but we're really evolving with one another. And she holds all of those qualities. Uh, and I think tapping into that is essential uh, and the spiritual journey uh, in relationship and in particular is critical if one loves what Tantra has to offer. And dear heart, would you have a, a little closing prayer for us? And I want to also invite how people would find you and find out more about you. Um, but let's, would you be willing to do a little, a, a little mantra or closing prayer for us so we can get the vibration of this? Oh, Absolutely. I would love to. Let me just, uh, can I let people know how to find me? We'll do that first. Yes. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a wonderful community uh, called Sharanya and you can reach us at www.sharanya.org. That's S-H-A-R-A-N-Y-A.org. And you can feel free to email email me directly at Chandra, C-H-A-N-D-R-A at Sharanya.org. I'm more than happy to, to meet and speak with people. I'd like to offer this closing prayer. It's a prayer of uh, honoring of the Divine Mother from the most nameless and formless beyond gender into the very specificity of uh, how we might invoke her into our personal lives. And it's a surrendering of head and ego and an opening of the heart and an acknowledgement of our bowing to that energy that flows as Shakti within each and every one of us. The words are very simple, and I'll just repeat it a few times. Om Kring Kalyai Namaha. Om Kring Kalyai Namaha. Om Kring Kalyai Namaha. Blessings to all of you, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Francesca, for inviting me to be on this show. Thank you. Om Kring Kalyai Namaha. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. And if you want to find out more about Chandra, see her her picture and, and her bio and get transcripts from the show or find out more about me, see my picture, my bio, uh, you can do that at www.personallifemedia.com. That's www.personallifemedia.com. Sex, Tantra, and Kama Sutra, bringing you the soul of sex. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.